The locals have hiked the steep cliffside trails of Cinque Terre for centuries, and now it's our turn. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with wanderlust. Thanks for tuning in to the Travel FOMO podcast. My name is Hillary Halton. We are in season seven talking about Mediterranean Europe and gap year with my husband and fellow hiker of all Italian cliffsides I've ever done, <laughs> Jamin. <laughs> Was there any place that you were looking forward to more than Cinque Terre? Uh, for me, before probably. We, like before we left on the trip. Yeah, for me, Probably maybe. nothing as much as that. Maybe yeah. Greece. Maybe Greece. Yeah, maybe the Greek islands. Yeah. But yeah, it was really high on the list. And honestly, it did not disappoint. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It's interesting, like, it was such an epic trip. We went so many places, but there were certain places that we as individuals had kind of circled on the calendar. And I feel like this was a big one for you. Yeah, it really was. You heard me talk about it for so long (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it was your big like inspiration like a place that you absolutely had to make it back to like even though you'd been there going and doing this hike was like a bucket list thing for you so yeah such a big deal because my sister and i had gone right after college for me it was right after college and it was amazing but we'd only heard about it at the last minute while we were traveling so we went out of our way only for a couple hours really but it was so great like and we knew right right then like this is really cool and I liked it even a lot more than Jessica I think yeah Um, when I talk to her about it um she's always like yeah you really did like that and I was like oh I guess it really was just me. (laughs) Well, not just me, but, you know, mostly me. (laughs) Maybe not to the same extent. Yes, not to the same extent. Yeah. Well, it was really cool. I know I was really looking forward to it. This was our uh, first stop in Italy. Yeah. We spent a lot of time in Italy. Mm -hmm. and um, How long? Like two weeks? uh, I think it was like 17 days that we were in Italy total. Maybe more than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And definitely more um like consecutive time yeah because we were in and out of france a lot but this was a place where we really stayed and cinque terre was our first stop yes and if you don't know what cinque terre is that's okay i didn't know it until i heard hillary talk about it forever (laughs) but um it is a section on the kind of the northwest side of italy really close to france so we came there from monaco um it was a really short train ride but it is a kind of like a national park. Yeah. Uh, it's like a protected area. But Cinque Terre means uh, the five lands or five earths. And it's made up of these five uh, coastal, like really fishing villages mm-hmm. that were um, all kind of to themselves. Um, brace yourselves as I quickly mispronounce all of their names in quick succession. <laughs> uh, there's Montoroso Alamare. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Alamare, I think, means on the sea. So, Montoroso on the sea, uh, Vernanza, Coniglia, Manarola, and Rio Maggiore. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. But they, um, they're all these little fishing villages, and really they haven't grown um, for whatever reason, economically, geographically, 
they're the same size that they've been forever. And when you get there, you, you sort of understand why, because they're built on these cliffs right next to the ocean. There's really no place else for these cities to go. And so they've remained small and so consequently have kept a lot of their character and you really kind of see what Italy was hundreds of years ago. Yeah, it's so cute. Well, and it's, they're a little hard to get to. So as far as like building a life there, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's pretty remote. It is like they are difficult to get to and just really kind of laid back all to themselves and just a, a really cool place to, to be. It's not, you don't feel like you're in this modern world with like big hotels and yeah. like lots of cars and all that stuff. It's very, very remote. Yeah. Well, then chances are if you have seen like a, a Italian village on the ocean, it very well could have been one of the Cinque Terre villages. So it yeah. is highly photographed. It's yes. very colorful buildings. It's very mm -hmm. vibrant, um, but also very old and lots of character. And um, I, you and I even put together a puzzle of the city of, I believe it was Vernaza, that we put together. And my sister and I had attempted it, didn't get that completely done, but you and I ended up really <laughs> doing it during COVID. And... Um, yeah, so like it's just so picturesque that they turn it into puzzles. So that just says something, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely. I feel like Cinque Terre and the Amalfi Coast like capture those seaside Italian mm -hmm. vibes that that you're really looking forward to. Like those places are the thing that you think of when you like watch Talented Mr. Ripley and all that kind of stuff of like people escaping to Italy to be on the ocean it's mm -hmm. there yeah definitely the um talented mr ripley that's definitely a lot of the amalfi coast too which is coming yeah. guys we're gonna be talking about that in a few weeks and yeah, it we'll is there. fabulous <laughs> um so we will we will get to that but um let's okay let me just briefly give everybody some background on cinque terre until recently really all of these villages were linked by mule tracks or by rail or water. So imagine you could ride a train, you could, and as Americans, we all take a car. That was not an option for <laughs> a long, long time. Right. Um, so you could get on a train, you could go by water, um, meaning ferries. There are lots of little ferries that go from village to village. Um, or you could literally hike a trail. And um, so I think that's really enchanting. And it has also helped them keep that character because, you know, what are you going to do to remodel these little places that are, <laughs> you know, really hard to get to? Right. Um, and then in the 1960s, they put in a coastal road. So an actual road that you could drive. And then in the 70s is really when it kind of started to explode because there was an American traveler, and I just read about this. I didn't really know this till till now, but there was an American travel writer, and he was just enchanted by these little villages. And he talked all about them in his different guidebooks, and it really led to a lot of people, probably it led to me knowing about the place at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's really whenever things started to 
people started to show up, probably especially Americans, um, reading his guidebooks and stuff like that. It actually um, was even later than that. So more recently in 1997, it became a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And then after that, it became a national park in 99, which Mm -hmm. is like so fascinating to me because I think of national parks being like really old. Um, But this one's only like, what, maybe 25 years old? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I think that's... uh, kind of interesting and there are all these hiking trails that go throughout the park so from village to village um it's really well known for the hike along the coast though to those five cities that you just mentioned and um but there's so many trails there's over 120 kilometers of trails sorry americans i did not translate that into miles for you (laughs) but um (laughs) you you get the gist um and then um 48 different trails that you can hike so anyway just some interesting stats um but mr houghton mr hogerton as i call you sometimes um what was your first impression when we arrived and kind of the difference between like what you expected because you'd heard me talk so much about it you'd seen pictures and then the difference between like what you actually got from it i will say that when you hear about Cinque Terre and you hear about these little fishing villages and this quaint little stuff, you're not quite prepared for the crowds that are there. Yeah, I definitely was not. Like there was a ton of people, a lot of people kind of everywhere. And on the train, um, I feel like the train just kept picking up more and more people and nobody was getting off and we're like, we're just packed on this little train. Yeah. And getting off the train was a mad rush of all these people and then into With the their city. roller suitcases yeah, roller and suitcases. you guys if you do europe maybe the best advice we could give you don't do a roller suitcase even though you're american yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing roller suitcases i feel like everyone is like well you just i mean it's just a little bit like to the room so it's not that big a deal. And I don't want to have to carry a heavy suitcase. So I just use the roller suitcase. And I understand that if you're going to Atlanta. Yeah. But if you're going to Europe, there's cobblestone streets everywhere. There's nothing on earth louder than pulling a roller suitcase along cobblestone streets. There's a ton of stairs. Like there's little narrow corridors and quick turns and stuff like that. And I was never more happy to have a backpack than every time I got off a train in Europe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, like, I think that was what really surprised me was all the people everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of Americans, I felt like through most of the rest of Europe, it was not very heavily American as far as the other tourists that were there. Okay. But... Once we got to Italy, yes, there were a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. And that also was probably a little bit of product of timing. Um, it was getting to be into June. And so it makes summertime. sense. Like Americans are traveling yeah. during the summer and stuff like that. But And COVID was letting, was kind of like yeah, easing. and Yeah, things had really, really let up. We really did kind of, I feel like, COVID restrictions like were being lifted like weeks before we got to places. 
Right. Like, or remember, days. Like yeah. in some instances, we were traveling and we didn't know if we'd get into a country <laughs> yeah. until we got there. Yeah. I remember Luxembourg was literally like two or three days before. Yeah. That we was arrived. crazy. But yeah, I've um, a lot of Americans and just a lot of crowds. It was prettier, I think, than, than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see pictures and stuff like that and you're like, oh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I can't wait to be there. But when you're actually there standing in it, it's amazing. And, you know, you're like, we're putting together the, the YouTube video. And seeing the footage of it just is still, it's still surprising how pretty it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I was definitely surprised by the crowds and a little irritated because I was like, what? This isn't what I remembered. Mm, I remembered it being so remote and so, um, it just felt like, oh, now I'm in Italy, you know, like now I'm like away from anybody else who could speak my language and all of that and and this time with us going you could tell like it had been 15 years and it had progressed a lot and a lot of people a lot more people knew about it and I remember catching different conversations so much because I could now hear people speaking English right so I could hear somebody sitting on the beach you know, talking on the phone and catch their entire conversation because it's the only thing I can understand around me. (laughs) (laughs) When we really got to like kind of dive headfirst into the deep end because we went on the hike our first day. We sure did. We show did 10.7 miles, guys. Oh, my gosh. We hiked the full trail of all five cities Mm -hmm. um, that first day. So it did take us pretty much all day i mean it yeah. was a beating it, um yeah. the elevation change was huge almost three thousand feet um and we tracked all that on our watches because we were like this is well actually you did i should say you <laughs> tracked all that on your watch which i totally appreciate because if you guys go check out our video you'll see that we really provided you some of those we kind of laid things out for you so in case you were to hike it you could kind of see like, okay, this is like how far it is from city to city, you know, kind of what it's going to take from you and how long. Um, so, yeah. It is like dusty, rocky trails. Uh, we're talking about old mule paths and stuff. So be ready for that. Wear hiking shoes. There's a bunch of signs everywhere mm-hmm. that tell you to wear hiking shoes and you really do need them. And it is a, a lot of elevation. Because you're going from seaside and you're basically going back inland a little bit and way up over mountains. Well, and just to clarify, you're going from sea level to, you know, and you're, you're kind of following the sea the whole time, but you're going up in elevation along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going up and over these mountains and then back down into villages. Yeah. So the first part of every leg of the hike is just brutal mm-hmm. but then you kind of get a glimpse of the next city and suddenly you have energy and you're going downhill and so it all becomes fun yeah. after that <laughs> it's amazing well and lots of stone stairs um different little gates and pathways that yeah i mean vineyards you name it oh my gosh yeah so much stuff and we actually had to make a couple of detours because of paths being closed mm-hmm. uh due to rock slides and mudslides. Yeah. And some 
Like we're not talking about like, oh, there's a little section that they need to take some shovels and clear off. We're talking about paths that like are basically gone and having to be rebuilt. And it's like, no, this path will be open in a few years. Yeah. It's destroyed. uh, But they do a good job of like communicating all of that um, on the, on the website and stuff. So Mm -hmm. we knew going into it exactly where we need to go and everything. So it wasn't an issue, but it's just interesting that, that those paths just get taken out and they're gone. Well, and the other thing is for the most part, it's free, but there are a couple places where if you're going on certain legs of the hike, you need to pay. Yes. Yeah. You can do that a couple different ways. You can do that through the website, um, which enables you to kind of go at your leisure whenever you want. I think it cost us uh, 750 euro to, uh, to do the hikes that we wanted to do. And you can also pay, like they have little booths set up, but those booths are only manned for certain hours. Mm -hmm. And you can be stopped anywhere on that trail and asked for your permit. So if you want to go at your own timing, uh, it's really easy to just do it online, uh, which is what we did, and not sort of wait around and hope that there's somebody in the booth that you can buy a ticket at the right from. time. Yeah. Especially yeah. cause we like to do things early. And so we headed out pretty early in the day Yeah, and you know, it was closed. Well, so. and I recall passing a couple of those toll booths with like lines of people waiting cause you have to fill out a little form. They mm. need to know who you are and stuff like that. And because it is a national park, you are kind of out in it. And so, yeah. and you know, they need to be able to track people's movements. And so, there were like lines of people waiting I didn't on even one person that. to like fill out forms with like pen and paper. And I was so glad that we were able to just walk past those booths. Well, like how many people? I literally do not ever remember seeing a line. Uh, I remember there being a line of like 12 people. And like wow. there's like one guy with a pen and filling out a form. And everyone, like no one else is filling out forms. They're all just like waiting on the guy with the pen. And if, all those people together. I don't know how long that was going to take. But, right. And yeah. then everybody's speaking different languages and yeah. like trying to overcome the language barrier. Yeah. We did it online. I will say it was a little hard to find. And I remember clicking and clicking and clicking until I kind of managed to find my way to the actual um, purchase that we could make mm, and yeah. uh, and get like we just kind of screenshotted it on our phones and, you know, paid the paid the fee and stuff but yeah <laughs> yeah okay so we started out at Monterosa Alamare um and this is where we stayed yep and we chose it because it has really good beaches and it's really just the biggest town um it's got like a train station it's bigger and there was just more we could you know go to restaurants and do all that stuff and really just beaching I remember being like I really want to lay by the beach yeah for sure. Um, and we actually were able to get an Airbnb in the old town part of it, which was really fun. That was fun. Um, but I remember walking from the train station at one part of the village 
all the way across to where Airbnb was. And it felt like we walked, walked pretty much the entire length of the town in like six <laughs> minutes or something, yeah. 10 minutes. When you look at a map, you don't necessarily know how big some of these villages are. They are tiny. <laughs> and the only thing that will take time is really if you're having to go up a lot of stairs or yeah. um, everything is very much on a cliff. So consider that. But um, it's it's not very handicap accessible, I will say. No. But, no, if you have mobility issues, it, w- it would be a tough ask um, to get around in a lot of Italy, but especially in Cinque Terre. But yeah, th- we walked across the whole city. And it's funny because you come from a place like Barcelona where you look at a map and you're like, oh, it's just from here to there. That's not that far. And then you map it out. And you're like, oh, that's several miles. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me hours to walk. And then you look at something like this. and You're like, man. The train station's all the way across town. This is going to take forever. (laughs) It's like, oh, it's like 10 minutes. Not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. So we hiked from Monterosso Alamare to Vernazza, um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I remember this one. I remember really well. So it's still um, kind of early in the morning. We were still conscious before we (laughs) became like like, so exhausted. Delirious from from exertion and it was still like it hadn't really got hot yet like it was still nice and I remember coming around we'd gone up and up and up and up and up and so we were way up high on top of this mountain and we came around this corner and you can see it in this little cove off in the distance and you're just like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. that is incredible and you just see the ocean go on forever this little village in this cove and these huge mountains and the contrast is so great. Yeah. And struck me about a lot of Italy because most of the ocean that I have seen has been in the United States and it's been in like Florida or the Caribbean Mexico, stuff like that. And land is really, really flat for a long time Good until point. you get to the beach. Yeah. But here in Italy and in Cinque Terre, Um, specifically it's this huge contrast of Mm -hmm. this blue ocean and these like rock cliffs and green vineyards all on these mountains and then this crazy colorful city yeah with all these little little uh, fishermen huts and little buildings where people live and little tiny restaurants and they're all painted different bright colors and it's just incredible to yeah. see. Even colorful canoes and stuff like that. Yes. Like colorful little boats. Mm-hmm. And the cove is so, um, I don't know the best way to say it. It's like a really extreme cove. So, yeah. you know, whenever you, if you come in by boat, you're like really coming in tight to this like tiny little cove. And I remember us putting together that puzzle. And I just, you know... You just spend hours on every little shutter on a window <laughs> and every little, you know, blanket that's hanging out to dry, you know, sheets that are hanging out to dry. And you're looking at all these details. And I found myself as we were looking down at this exact photo, I just wanted to find all those little things like I was like where's that one green shutter that I could (laughs) never find until the last puzzle piece like where is it it's in here somewhere and anyway it was just really fun and then once you get down into the actual city 
it's literally like you're stepping inside that puzzle, like you're stepping inside the photo. Yeah. It's so surreal. This one in particular, I feel like you would, you would see it stop and take pictures. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is amazing. And then you would walk another two minutes and sort of like peek back out from an, around the trees or around a bend and you'd see it again and be like, Oh, I, I have to stop and take more pictures here. Oh my gosh. I and know. you're like, they're not vastly different than the ones I just took, but for some reason they're better and I need to take more. Yeah. And it, I, I feel like that happened just over and over and over again until we were finally in the city. Yeah. And that was also where they like, once we got down there, there were, the waves were really strong and they would like mm -hmm. slam up against these rocks and just like splash everywhere. I was like, man, if I was staying in this little town, I would get a book and come out here early in the morning and sit where I could like see the waves crashing and just enjoy sitting out here up on a rock somewhere yeah. and enjoying myself. And then there was a guy doing that. And I was like a little jealous of him because we still had many miles ahead of us. Yeah, we still had a long way to walk. <laughs> yeah. And the next town that we ended up going to was Corniglia. It was the least touristy of all five of the villages. Yes. Probably because it was in the middle. Um, mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And uh, due to some landslides back in 2012, and yes, that would have been 10 years before we were there. <laughs> oh my gosh, 10 years. Um, a lot of the remaining path down there was shut down. So we actually, after we reached there, we had to take another route that was much higher up on the yeah. mountain and much harder. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went through another tiny little village to get to the next of the five villages, which is really funny. Um, it's kind of like we got to go to six little villages. We got a little, little bonus. Um, <laughs> and, he, and the directions got a little trickier too, because at this yeah. point, these are not the, this is not the common path that tourists usually take. Now you're kind of taking a path that's a little harder to find. Right. I I feel like a lot of people hike maybe one or two cities, but very few people do all of them. And there is a train that runs between them. So if you're like, I'm not about that hike, don't worry. You can still see all of the cities. Yeah. But it is an amazing hike. But this area of the trail is a little less traveled yes so yeah you kind of had to pay attention watch for the signs uh fortunately there were signs and little like they mark with paint like a red and white stripes so you kind of know like okay i'm still on the trail here yeah yeah um and that little bonus village what was it called Velastra or something yeah. Velastra, something yeah. like that um it was really small there, there was a little soccer field and a little church that uh -huh. we saw like it's really cute yeah it was pretty cool there wasn't much to it though no it was just this little little bitty village that yeah. we kind of passed through yeah exactly um and i think if i remember correctly getting there we actually went through lots of vineyards and olive groves and stuff like that yes at, at some point in here mm. um which was a lot of fun and then the next the fourth city was manarola manarola um we stopped for gelato here <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Where did we stop for lemon juice? I think that was right before Corniglia, right? Yeah. Like somewhere along the way, we were up really, really high. Mm -hmm. And 
there was an opportunity, like a tiny little shop that you could kind of squeeze into with other people and get some lemon juice, like fresh lemon juice. Yeah. Um, also, I think we got the frozen kind, like the margarita yes. version. <laughs> <laughs> but that and the view, I remember us just standing there in that tiny, tiny little store. Mm-hmm. And there was like one table with two chairs and one window. Yeah. And it was just kind of like a, what do you call it? Like a shotgun kind of store. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And super narrow and long. And we walked up to that window and stood there and looked at the view of Corniglia. And we were just like, this is, this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. And was, came at just the right time because we were starting to get hot. Yeah. And needing, like needing something to drink. And that like frozen lemon juice hit the spot. That was perfect. And you just look out and that, that window's open, like open air. And so you could feel the breeze and kind of smell the ocean as you looked out down this cliff to this city. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was something else. That was so good. Does the idea of traveling sound overwhelming to you? Perhaps you want to see the world, but you just don't know where to start. Let Hallie help. Working through Travelmation, Hallie is a travel consultant who can take you wherever you want to go, within the U.S. or abroad. As an authorized Disney vacation planner, she can find a family-friendly vacay that won't break the bank. Looking for something more luxurious? She's your girl. Or perhaps you need a walk on the wild side. Hallie books adventures too. Just reach out to Hallie by phone at 972-822-6315 or email her at H-A-L-L-I-E. N-A-R-R-A-M-O-R-E at Travelmation.net. Call Holly to get your dream vacation plan today. Okay, so Monterosa, Vernaza, Corniglia. Then we got to the bonus city, Velastra, and then we hit Manarola. Mm-hmm. Manarola. <laughs> Manarola. At this point, we had one more leg of the hike to go. Um, and it was starting to get really, really hot. Yeah. We were pretty miserable. We needed some energy. We needed some energy. We got some gelato. (laughs) Um, it it was like, I think it was only 70 degrees because I remember us looking, but it felt way warmer than that. Like, oh. Yeah. The sun was intense and going like all the uphill climbs. Yeah. We're starting to. It was starting to get to get starting to add up, <laughs> and uh, Lover's Lane was actually the path that most people would usually take, and it's like right on the water. Yeah. So imagine just going from like sea level to sea level. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> right, <laughs> just, just a leisurely little stroll along the ocean. Yes. Feeling um, the ocean breeze. Yeah, that would have been really great. But instead, like at one point, you were like, "Awesome, we can like see it." Yeah. So it was like it was destroyed in some kind of rock slide or something and it's being reconstructed. I think it's supposed to reopen in what, 2024 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can see sections of it from the up high hike trail. So you can look down and see, oh, look at that. That'd be nice to be way down there and not way up here. <laughs> yeah, but the views are so great from up high. So you put in the work. Yes. Well, and I I remember like this one in particular, there were a ton of stairs. Oh my gosh. And going down was an absolute beating. I felt like my knees were 
just going to shatter into oh, a million yeah. pieces. My legs were shaking so much. And at this point, we had been, we'd been running every, most every city that we'd been to, we'd been running yeah. five miles average, probably. Yeah. And then on top of that, we're walking all day long every day in all of these different European places with all this different elevation. And we still were wiped out. It was so hard. So when we were in Amsterdam, we went on a long run, like a nine mile run, and then had to walk a ton that day. I think we ended up putting in like 23 miles on our feet oh, that yeah, day in Amsterdam. Do you think you were more tired after this hike or after that day in Amsterdam? Mm, no, after the day in Amsterdam. That was you a think pretty so? rough one. Yeah. I don't know. This was pretty like, this was pretty exhausting. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm like balancing out the reward of it. Because this was super rewarding. That's true. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, no. It was so okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> but fortunately, Monarola and Rio Maggiore are pretty close to each other. Yeah. So it's like one and a half kilometers. Um, but yeah, the unfortunate part is that steep mountain in between them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was definitely the hardest like, of the hike and everything. <laughs> but then we got there and it was like, wow. <laughs> It was very rewarding to like to make it, to complete it, to do all five yeah cities. Because um, you would hear about other people like hiking and have done the hikes and do like a village or two. Mm -hmm. And to do all five was really cool. And to see them that way is not a way that you get to see them any way else. Yeah. Like you can take a train into them and walk around the cities. And you could take a ferry and see him from the ocean. Mm -hmm. And both of those are cool and worth doing. But seeing them from the trail and each one coming into each one is something really special. Super special. Yeah. And while we're comparing the different transportation types, if you choose to go by train, just remember you're going to get short blips of a view on your train ride. Yeah. But the train is mostly it goes into the mountains yeah, it's so mostly you, it's a dark train ride you don't get a lot of a view and that's really i just want to stress that for people that are listening um that that's like that's the yeah. difference you know like and if anything schedule time to get off the train yes. at a stop and see some of the views another really kind of cool thing about going to all these cities is the hiking trail takes you out and it like kind of spits you out on one section of the city and all of these villages are so small that there's really only one or two main roads. Yeah. So if you're going from the hiking path and you're walking down to the main square, down to the ocean, you see the whole city. Yeah. It's like the main street. Yeah. It's like main like, street is the street. <laughs> yeah. You like, you get to see it all. And so I really do feel like we got to see every bit of mm -hmm. all of the villages. Yeah. Which is something so incredible and unique and like, I mean, if you have FOMO like us, you don't want to like hear that there was something cool that you missed someplace. Yes. So like getting to walk through the entire city is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and the thing that was like almost celebratory about that last city, Rio Maggiore, it was that there are tourists that were... Um, well, there were tons of tourists and yeah. it was late in the day at that point or mid-afternoon and stuff. So um, tons of people, but 
the ocean was like so accessible and people were jumping off rocks and swimming in the ocean and it was just it had this um not party vibe but like a um i don't know how else to say it it just felt like a like everybody was like so happy to be there and celebrating and having fun and Mm -hmm. um maybe it was just me and my heart celebrating (laughs) that the hike was over no it definitely it definitely had like celebratory vibes there when we were going to take the ferry back which i was super excited about and had planned this out very specifically because i wanted to see it from the hill from the mountain tops Mm -hmm. but then i also wanted to see things from the ocean right so we were going to take a ferry and they go very frequently so it's pretty easy to do that but in this instance the ocean was so rough there was like so much like the waves were so big they weren't running ferries at all yeah i thought that was kind of crazy um because you see the ferry schedule and you're like oh they run all the time it won't be any big deal but to see like oh like it gets too much and like these little docks are so small and hard to come into that it's too risky for the boats to come in when the sea's really rough and i was caught off guard by that and disappointed that we didn't get to go on the ferry ride yeah Uh, but just speaks again to like the remoteness and Mm -hmm. sort of non-modern ways of, of these little cities yeah well and despite it being really remote um, it had a really good restaurants and yeah. we were starving. <laughs> yes. We, uh, went to dinner at La Catina del Pescatore. The one place that we picked was the place that only has appetizers. Yeah. Basically. I was like, this isn't going to be enough. <laughs> <laughs> they like, you know, we're. In Italy, it's our first like our first our first meal in, in Italy. Yeah, our first stop in Italy, and so we are thinking like, well, every place is just gonna have a bunch of like pasta options for us, and we like really all kinds of stuff. And um, you know, we're thinking like, oh, we'll get some pesto dishes and stuff like that. But no, we the all they <laughs> sold was like charcuterie and yeah. stuff like that. But it was really good. Yeah. And so. we got a lot of charcuterie. You, if you guys like um, sardines, well, if you don't like sardines, you should still try them in yeah. Spain and Italy. Yes. So good. Yep. Um, and we got a lot of bruschetta that had mm-hmm. like little sardines over it. Which that is, was actually really good. It was yeah. really good. I remember being disappointed because I was starving, but <laughs> also being like, but it tastes amazing. So it's okay. Yeah. Like it, it was really, really good. And on any other day would have been like oh this is perfect this is great but that day in particular it was i remember like getting back taking a shower and be like okay we're gonna go out to dinner and just give you a whole mess of pasta and (laughs) no no you're not and i i have to correct myself okay i think i said sardines i meant anchovies Mm, yes for the record record. (laughs) um but we only had two full days there so bam one day down second day it was kind of a lounge day and recovery. Yes, <laughs> recovery, recovery for sure. Um, went to the market, which was really cool. Didn't actually know it was a thing, but like every Thursday morning, the old town area of Monterosso, Alamare, that it has a market where people come in and they bring all kinds of stuff, including clothes. <laughs> so I bought some outfits. Yeah, I guess who was excited about that. 
Yeah, I was so excited. I ended up, I mean, and you guys, this stuff was super cheap and I still have it and still love it because it's like the lightest material. It's like, oh, it's so nice. So I got a jumper that has a little white t-shirt under it and I just... I just love it. And then a lavender and white dress. And so you guys can see that on YouTube. And just from now on, you're going to see me repeat those clothes over and over because there's only so many clothes that I have on this trip. So I was super excited to have something. You did get a lot of wear out of those. I did. I still do. I still love both of them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like, I'm not even kidding, like 13 bucks each, like something crazy cheap. Yeah. I did not get any outfits no. while, we were, while we were there at that market. So there were like these curtains and they literally created like these little changing rooms strictly from white curtains. Oh, so yes. you're yeah. kind of like getting into this white curtain and hoping that like all the flaps all around you don't blow open <laughs> while you try to change into clothes. And then you have to step outside to look into a mirror. It's very makeshift, um, but it makes a lot of sense because yeah. I'm sure it's a traveling market and this is the morning they're there. And so they kind of just got to make it make it work. But um, that was like one of my favorite memories, though, was like just shopping and buying couple little outfits and feeling really thrifty and yeah i i do remember like just walking around that morning and like shopping and doing all that kind of that was a lot of fun and shopping led us straight into the most difficult of the challenges that we faced in chinguantere uh lunch that day no lunch was so bad yeah We'd gone to a grocery store to try to save money and be a little healthy and that yes. kind of stuff. And through Spain, if you've listened to those episodes, you heard that we loved our canned fish. Yeah. So we bought some anchovies and they were in this little jar. We mm-hmm. bought some crackers and some cheese and stuff like that to go with them. But they were packed in salt. Packed in so much salt. Yes. I remember taking one out and trying to eat it and just... You couldn't get it down. I know. Yeah. And we rinsed them off like to try to get the salt off of them. And they were still too salty. I have no idea what the use for those anchovies. I'm sure there's something. Well, it's probably canning method. Yeah. But I mean, but there's there's got to be something that people do with them after they take them out. Like, yeah. What do you do? Soak them like you would like soaking beans. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how they're used yeah. after they've been treated like that. But <laughs> it was truly, truly horrible. It was pretty bad. Yeah. We went to great lengths to uh, desalt them and still it wasn't edible it was just really really bad <laughs> well and like we'd we'd been buying these canned sardines canned anchovies and they were typically like really cheap mm-hmm. and we had like paid like six or seven euro for this yeah. jar and so it was like man we got to eat these but they dude so bad it was just yeah. too much I know. You know, they were in a jar, too. That's the one difference. Yeah. Is they, they were in canned. a jar. They weren't in cans. Yeah. So I wonder if that has something to do with it, too. We're going to we're gonna research that because we really like anchovies. So. Yeah. And sardines. So I'm kind of <laughs> curious how that. Wow. What is that like? Um, okay. So then that day I loved going to the beach. Can I just say, oh, my gosh, if you guys like to relax on a beach pretty great place to do it yeah 
Yeah, we rented chairs there, yes. right? Uh, so Which we don't spend money on stuff like that hardly ever. Yeah, typically we're like, we'll find the free beach part and just uh-huh. like sit on the sand. But we knew we really wanted to enjoy it. And a lot of places in Italy, the good beaches are all taken up by chairs that you have to pay for. That's true. There's not a lot of like oceanside or um beach. There's not a lot of beaches. And those beaches are kind of confiscated by like owned by somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so just be prepared for that. If you're if you're going to Italy and you want to be on the beach, like just be ready to rent a chair. And it's yeah. really nice when you do. It is also because they're it's not like sandy beaches there. It's rocky beaches. So yeah. you don't exactly want to lay on the ground anyway because there's not a comfortable place to lay. You want a chair. Yeah, and those rocks get hot. Yeah, right. Oh, I forgot. They (laughs) really do. Even just like sitting on the rocks and stuff is like, it's too, it's a little uncomfortable because it's rocks. Yeah. But then also it's crazy hot. Yes. Yeah. So being in a chair is is definitely optimal. Yeah. But the water is beautiful and clear. And I say clear, it's like really blue. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, I will say the waves and stuff were pretty aggressive. I like went out to swim you started to. Did you actually get in the water with me? For a um, I think I did get in the water there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was like, um, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was like really salty there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that was. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just really, I was like, oh, I'm like getting tossed around tossed about here um but it was fun to look back from the water to look back and see the little village and then like at one point i like popped my head up out of the water right as like a train's like crossing through the mountain and pops out of the mountain and back into the mountain i was like oh my gosh this is like i just love this place I don't know. that's so cool and it is another like sort of contrast to like u.s and caribbean beaches uh-huh. where you like the hotel or the house that you're right in front of is all you can see from the water yeah but these like built on these cliff sides you see the whole village yeah is right there yeah it's really cool it is really cool the other thing that was so funny is i remember like sitting there on the beach and i'm like reading or something and I can hear, you know, like we've mentioned, like when you hear people speaking English, your brain just goes, what are they saying? And because it's the only thing you can really make sense of. And I remember sitting there and there's some guys right behind me, I think. Um, These two dudes that are like, you can tell they're like maybe backpackers, back backpackers, and they are sitting there relaxing, and this guy's, like, talking to his mom on the phone, and it was just really funny, because I was like, oh, man, I'm going to guess you're, like, 19, because he was, like, making sure mama knew everything that was happening, and that mama was, <laughs> you know, you could tell he was going to probably talk to his mom later that day and you're like wow like dude you're in italy man like yeah. let it go i'm gonna do a little psa for all of the guys out there if you are 18 years old or older and you are traveling abroad when you land send your mom a nice text and let her know that you're safe do not talk on the phone to your mother <laughs> while you're in italy don't do it it's a bad look. I don't care who you are. I, I don't care. I don't care. You can tell me all the reasons why that's not right. I don't, I don't care. 
do not talk to your mom on the phone. Grow up a little bit. Let's cut the cord and not talk to your mom on the phone. It's a bad look, bro. Don't do it. <laughs> Jamin has very, very strong feelings about this. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now we know. Dinner that night was a pesto dinner for yes. me because uh, pesto is the birthplace or because Cinque Terre is the birthplace of pesto. How about that? Pesto. Love it. It was really good. We went to the Osteria um, and I think you had like gnocchi, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, pesto gnocchi. Yeah, it was it was really good, but I wasn't feeling so hot. But yeah, it was really good. though. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I had like uh, meat ravioli. It was really good. Like, again, we were caught in a situation where we we're hearing a conversation in English. And we couldn't help it. Every yeah. English conversation, I was just like, I have to, like, listen. <laughs> well, in this particular instance, like like in a lot of Italy, there's a restaurant that has a bunch of tables inside and a bunch of tables outside. Yeah. And we uh, we were sat at a table outside and really close to these other tables. Yeah. So it's not like you're, like, trying to listen in to somebody. Right. When they're right there, I can touch you, I can hear you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but these two guys, like two middle-aged guys, were talking to two older ladies. The guys are American, and the ladies uh, were from England, and they were talking about like what a difficult, tough hike they had been on that day when they hiked between one of the cities. And well, back. two of the cities. They oh, went two. from Monte Rosa Alamare, where we were, mm-hmm. to Corniglia. So two cities, <laughs> and they went about halfway. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like only went halfway right well and they were talking about how much they earned their pasta that day and i wanted to be like does that mean i get like two plates of pasta because i went twice twice as far far? is that how that works you know guys it sounds like we're judging and we definitely are yeah for sure in this (laughs) instance we were just really proud i i mean honestly it kicked our butt yeah, it was a really tough one. It hike. was so hard. Yeah. So, but kudos to them for even done, even doing yeah. that at all because Getting a lot of people hiking. don't. Like the, yeah. the ladies they were talking to were like, oh yeah, no, we, we're not going to do that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, a lot of people don't even go that far and I love that they did. Um, but yes, yeah, that's really funny. It, it was just really funny because of how like much they were bragging about it, I think maybe yes. added to it. Cause you're just like, ah, I just want to be like, I don't know. Yeah. They were, they were really pumping it up. They were, they really <laughs> were. Yeah. Okay. So one of the, so that kind of wrapped up our second full day, which was really it for yeah. us. And we were out early, early the next morning. We were, um, headed somewhere really fun. And we'll tell you guys about that in a minute, <laughs> but, one of the things that I wanted to mention that I just thought, I don't know, it just really sticks out to me and you'll end up seeing it in videos because I like point it out every place we go in Italy is the coffee maker. Yeah. And I had really been trying to figure out all the different coffee makers in all these different places that we've been and they were all pretty different. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally like hitting buttons and just trying to figure stuff out. Well, here it's very, um, 
manual, I guess you could say. Making coffee <laughs> is a very manual thing. Like nobody's doing it for you. You gotta you gotta do this. Um and it's a lot like the the things that they give you and it literally was like this everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, all through Italy. All through Italy, we would arrive to the Airbnb. I'd scope out the coffee maker as fast as I could. And every time, it was this little silver pot that's kind of like a percolator. Mm-hmm. And um, and you unscrew it. I had to, like, figure it all out. So if you guys are really interested, actually, if you're going to Italy, you should probably go check out the video. And I'm not even kidding, because if you're a coffee lover <laughs> going to Italy in the near future, you're going to want to know how to make your own coffee. And you're probably going to have to deal with this. But you unscrew the top part of this. And then underneath it is, like, an area where you put water. And then on top of the water, you sit some grounds of coffee and a little filter like a reusable filter and then it all percolates up once you sit on the stove and turn on the fire it like percolates up and into the top half and uh, becomes a tiny maybe one of the tiniest coffee cups or you know little cups of coffee that you're gonna get but it (laughs) makes a lot of sense though because they do espressos Mm, so it does kind of make sense that like they're not looking you know for like a 12 ounce cup of coffee you know they're looking for something really tiny so um i ended up buying one of those later on because i was so enchanted by them you did and you use it a lot yeah i do i use it like right here i can see it (laughs) like sitting here on the counter (laughs) in our airstream um so i just thought that was really interesting um and wanted to mention it to people because it is if you're a coffee lover like me going to stand out to you when you get there so (laughs) speaking of consumable fluids Mm -hmm. in italy um there's coffee and there's wine which i'm sure um everyone will figure out and there's spritzes and things like that but you also need a little bit of water every now and then yes and italians love their sparkling water they do yeah and you can actually access uh regular just still like normal drinking water and sparkling water through a lot of public fountains. Yes. So some places they um, are free. Some places they have a little bit of a cost. Um, in uh, Monterosso, Alamare, um, there's a little machine basically right in the center of town. And I think it was like 50 cents or something like that, um, that you could fill up like a, a 24 liter bottle with sparkling water and it was really good nice and fresh and nice and cold as well um so when you're needing water in uh, really throughout all of europe but definitely in italy because it's so hot there there's a lot of public ways to get fresh drinking water so make sure you have a bottle and uh you know kind of do your part anyway to avoid a bunch of plastic and all that but uh Take your little bottle and figure out what the water situation in your city is because there's going to be some good options for you. Yes, definitely. I love that about Italy, too, and it makes Italy a little different than other parts of Europe is that they provide free sparkling water at little stations like that. And I was surprised even some of the places we went to, you could see it in the wall. Like they had kind of built it into like a, I mean, it could be even a really old historic building that they like carved (laughs) out a place in the building where there's a water station. And so you walk up to the you know side of the wall and you hit some buttons. And um, so I just thought that was really cool and very different for 
Italy, it makes Italy, I think, a little more unique. I don't remember seeing sparkling water as an option in other places. No, I think we read that there were like three places in Paris mm. that you could find oh, it. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, but I don't think we ever ended up at any of them. But yeah, in in Italy, sparkling water, such a big deal. And you could find it in a lot of places in several places for free. Yes. Um, which is really, really cool. Yes. Love that. Okay. Well, next we were headed to Milan. Why don't you tell people why we're headed to Milan? <laughs> well, to fully understand our reason for the trip to Milan, you'll have to go back uh, to one of our original seasons and listen to the Milan episode where we went to visit because we went to Papa Francesco's to have dinner, my first Italian meal, and it was stolen from us. We got <laughs> scammed by the tobacco shop next door. And ever since then, it has uh, been just a burden on us that we never got to eat that meal. And so we had a rare chance to right a wrong halfway across the world and go to Papa Francesco's. That's right. How often do you just stop in a city? You go to a city just for lunch. Yeah. Not often. No. Nope. Not. I mean, not in Italy. Like, no. how often you just like stop in Milan, just Italy and have lunch? Go to Milan for the sole purpose of having lunch. And that is exactly what we did. Yep. So fulfilling <laughs> after all, what, three years? Yeah. Yeah. Three yeah. years in the waiting. Three that was, years later. Oh, man, that was good. Okay, so that is coming up next week. But for now, you guys can get more little clips and fun insights on our adventures in Cinque Terre on social media. We are on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You definitely want to sign up and subscribe on YouTube because... Our videos are a little bit different than some of the things that you see on social media. And so we want you to get the full experience and that is how you'll do it. Um, and it's also a little different than what we address in the podcast. Sometimes the podcast yeah. fills in some gaps or elaborates on certain things. Um, but then the video is us in the moment, you know, highlighting different uh, things that we experience. So Yeah. And the, uh, the views in this video are Pretty incredible. Good point. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Uh, way more than we did it justice, like just talking about it. So go, go check it out. See it for yourself. And there's another way that we'd like to connect with you. And that is through our email. It's travelfomopodcast at gmail.com. What we would like for you to do is share your stories with us. So you can uh, record a voice memo and send that to us. And we'll play it here on the podcast. Uh, so that your story gets out there to everyone else. This could be something exciting that happened to you, something crazy that went on with your travels, maybe a travel tip or just a funny story, or maybe you just sharing your favorite places. Maybe you went to Cinque Terre and you really liked it and you went on the hike Gosh. or thought about going on the hike. Yeah, that'd be um, so fun to hear. Yeah, we want to hear all about it and we want to share it. So you can uh, type up an email and send it to us or just record that voice memo, fire it our way, and we'll share with everyone here on the podcast. Yes. It's also a great way to debunk myths that we have put out there. <laughs> yes. All, if, of, all of the misinformation that we yes. have, you can correct us and we'll uh, we'll make sure that it gets out into the exactly. public's hands. <laughs> Let's just acknowledge that. Spring break is over. So if you've just been somewhere over spring break, yep. 
you probably have a good story, a good mm. travel story. You could send it our way. Did you um, go to the Grand Canyon? Did you go snow skiing? Did you go to Europe? I know so many people who went to Paris, France. I say so many. I know two people who went to Paris, <laughs> France for spring break. So all of those stories, send them to us. We'd love to hear. Um, you don't have to share your whole adventure. You could just share a moment in time. So just want to acknowledge that. And then also get to planning your next vacation because life is so short. Wonder well. 